You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 6, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy to be here with you on a Tuesday, a home game Tuesday, as the Orlando Magic take on the Cleveland Cavaliers later on at the Amway Center. Always a special event when LeBron James comes to town. Uh, so we'll get that go. We'll get that uh, on tomorrow's episode. Today, though, we're going to talk all about the Orlando Magic's 111 to 109 victory over the Miami Heat. A gutsy, gritty, ugly, confusing victory for the Orlando Magic. I'll talk all about that game on today's podcast, as well as talk about everyone's favorite player who ha- emerged and had, I think, probably his best game as a pro on Monday night. But before we get into all that, I do want to offer heartfelt. Congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles on their Super Bowl 52 victory. And I know that if I want to revel in the celebration of the Philadelphia Eagles, I can either go to Disney World and see Nick Foles. That was Monday. Um, I I, I didn't go to Disney World, but I saw him there um, because I watch a lot of TV as part of my day job. But I could go to Philadelphia for the party on Thursday. That's not going to happen because I have a day job. And, And that's the trade deadline anyway. But... If I want the best information, if I want to celebrate the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl victory, I know the best place to go is at Locked On Eagles. Just like Locked On Magic covers the magic every day, Locked On Eagles covers the Philadelphia Eagles every single day with the same kind of detail that we do here on Locked On Magic. And the best part is, Locked On Eagles isn't alone. There's a Locked On Patriots. There's a Locked On Jaguars. I believe there's still a Locked On Buccaneers. There was at one point. I don't know if there still is. There's a Locked On podcast for almost every NFL team. And there is a Locked On podcast for almost every NBA team. If you're getting ready for the trade deadline, I highly suggest you listen to Locked On NBA. David Locke does a great job getting great guests to talk about the league and the big stories from the local perspective, just like you would get from your daily Locked On podcast. If you think the Magic are going to deal with the Jazz, Locked On Jazz, hosted by David Locke, is your place to go. If you're interested to hear how Blake Griffin is doing with the Pistons, Locked On Pistons is your place to go. Check out the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, every NBA team, every NFL team is covered with a daily podcast just like this one with the detail that you want from a local perspective. Just check them out. Just search for on iTunes for Locked On and the team you are looking for. If you haven't already, subscribe to Locked On Magic on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places that you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. That's enough delay on that. Let's talk about this game, the Orlando Magic taking on the Miami Heat. And what started off as a really ugly affair for Orlando, Miami was dominating the offensive glass. They were dominating getting to the foul line. They were beating the Magic up and down the court, and it looked like this is going to be a long, long night. Orlando found themselves down by 12 very early in the game. Miami led by as much as 12 in the game, and they had the advantage early on. 62 points in the paint, very reminiscent of the early part of the early games of the season. 11 second chance points on 17 offensive rebounds, including six from Hassan Whiteside. Orlando was getting beat up. Plain and simple, they were getting beat up in this game, and it looked like Orlando was down for the count. But after starting off very slow, the Magic trailed 35-26 after one quarter. The Magic offense started picking up. Mario Azonia was hitting shots left and right, was having a fantastic game. We'll talk about him at length later on. The Magic's bench came in, provided some really nice energy as they have for much of the last few weeks. 
And Orlando slowly crept back into this game. They found themselves down by one at halftime despite giving up 28 free throw attempts at the half to the Miami Heat. From there, though, Orlando controlled the game. They won the, they won the third quarter. They won the second half. They took as much as a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and they were dominant, making shots left and right, getting, getting some stops. I mean, it wasn't a great defensive game by any stretch of the imagination, but they were getting stops. They weren't fouling as much, which helped. And Miami just couldn't hit a, hit a three-pointer to save their lives. Miami finishing three for 23 from beyond the arc. But Orlando put the pressure on. Orlando controlled the game, and they had the lead in the fourth quarter. But of course, with the Magic, they can't have nice things. And Miami was able to work its way back, doing much the same things that they did in the first first half, first quarter, where they were getting to the foul line a little bit more. They were getting offensive rebounds. Orlando wasn't digging things out. They were taking some rush shots. Frank Vogel probably stuck with his bench a hair too long. Marie Spates was struggling, although he had a very good game overall. And Miami tied the game up at 109 with about two minutes to play. This is when the game got super ugly. And yes, you can be frustrated with the refs for how ugly this game got. But at the end of the day, with about a minute and a half left, Jonathan Simmons was able to break free and get to the basket for a one-handed jam that gave the Magic a two-point lead. And while Orlando was never able to extend that lead, Miami was never able to cut into it. On the final play of the game, the Magic were able to get a stop, essentially. Um, just uh, Bismack Biombo had a couple of nice deflections late in the game, was able to create opportunities for the Magic to score and, and extend their lead. And in the final play of the game, the Magic def- defended a Justice Winslow shot, were unable to scratch out the rebound. He got the ball back, tried to shoot a floater, Biombo blocks it. It's called goaltending somehow, but the goaltending is reversed. The Heat try and inbound the ball with about a second left, and Biombo deflects it away. Magic take possession and hold on for a 111-109 victory. Those last two minutes were some of the ugliest piece of basketball that I have ever seen. It was not well executed. It was very poorly done, but the Magic found a way to scratch and claw and get the win. Even though they could not execute on the offensive end, they made sure Miami couldn't either. And Miami did not get good shots in those moments. Orlando did a good job forcing tough shots, contesting shots. And while they did struggle getting the rebound, digging out the possession to close things out. If there's a silver lining to anything, it is that. Orlando was able to close things out, was able to gut out a victory, no matter, how, no matter what it took. And this was a very frustrating game. As I noted, Miami shot 28 free throws in the first half. They were parading to the foul line. I think they were in the bonus with six and a half minutes left in the in the second quarter. The Magic, Coach Frank Vogel said the Magic wanted to be more physical, especially after the way they played Saturday. Probably a little too physical. I mean, Evan Fournier was out of the game with foul trouble very early on. Finished with only four personal fouls, but never really got into a rhythm because of that. But Orlando kept finding it, fighting and finding a way to get back into this game. Down by one at the half felt like a blessing. It felt like Orlando did not deserve to be down by one. Felt like Miami was in complete control of this thing. And so Orlando was able to make the necessary adjustments to stay in this game. Their bench played fantastic again. Yeah, I can add up the points here. 6, 18, 34, 
39, 41, 43 points off the bench for the Orlando Magic. DJ Augustin with 16, Marie Spates with 12, uh, Shelvin Mack with 6, Russell Wendu with a solid 5. Orlando was getting big contributions from several players that, that they don't usually get contributions from or these big contributions from consistently. But Orlando came through again, and when it mattered at the end, Orlando got some big baskets. Jonathan Simmons uh, did not talk about this enough. I probably won't talk about it enough, but Jonathan Simmons picked up a technical foul in the second quarter because he was upset. I think he caught picked up a technical foul. Maybe he didn't, but... He was upset that he didn't get a foul call driving the baseline. Frank Vogel actually picked up the technical foul after after that play. And from then on, Simmons was fired up. He was getting to the basket. Uh, he was getting to the foul line a little bit. Uh, ended up uh, only with three free throw attempts, so maybe he didn't. But he was getting to the basket. He was making his shots. He was super efficient, 16 points on 6-for-9 shooting. And that was kind of the mentality that the Magic needed. Even on the defensive end, I thought that he was really dialed in in a way that he hasn't been dialed in much this year. Got some big stops, got some big steals, made some big plays that helped the Magic take the lead and hold on to it at the very end. Simmons made some great plays throughout, and Orlando felt a little disrespected and felt a little angry, and they had every reason to. There was an especially egregious goaltending call that cut the Magic's lead from four to two. Uh, Orlando should have gotten a goaltending to make it a six-point game, Instead, the refs let it go, it was a block, and Miami ran down the court and got a layup to make it a two-point game, and from there, it was really a game, and Orlando was struggling to get that important basket to get a two-possession game, but again, at the end, Orlando pulled through and executed for the win. That's all you can ask for at the end of the day. Did you execute and score? Did you score just enough to beat the other team? It doesn't have to be pretty. Chuck Daly always used to say, there is no such thing as an ugly win. The Magic picked up this win, and they earned it with a really, really, uh, really uh, a f- hard effort, good effort all around to get this one. Doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be enough, and the Magic certainly had enough. The final score again, 111-109. to The Magic defeat the Miami Heat to split the season series this year. Let me run through the final stats real fast for you. I talked a lot about Jonathan Simmons' game, 16 points, 6-for-9 shooting, 2-for-2 two two from beyond the arc. Two for three from the foul line. Uh, solid game for him, I thought. Um, really picked up his play in the second half. Uh, really went on a good run there in the fourth quarter. Made it, made some big baskets for Orlando, including the game winner, a dunk with about a minute and a half left. Um, again, I thought his defense, especially down the stretch, was particularly good. He did slip on the final play that gave uh, the, the, the Heat the space to create an opportunity, um, but... Uh, the Magic were able to recover and contest it and challenge it and prevent the tie in that situation. So, good overall effort from Jonathan Simmons. Talked a lot about the bench guys. DJ Augustin, 16 points, 6 for 11, shooting 3 for 6 from be, from beyond the arc. Um, it's not that Alfred Payton played bad in this game. 10 points, 7 assists, 3 for 8 shooting. Uh, it's not that he played bad, but I, I would honestly say that right now, D, uh, DJ Augustin's the best point guard on the Magic. He is really in control of the unit that he's playing with, and I recognize that it's a bench unit. Um, He's making three-pointers, he's making his shots, uh, and and he's just really giving the Magic such a huge boost right now. Uh, So I have to give him a lot of credit for his play of late. He deserves some props for it, uh, and he's playing some very strong basketball at the moment. So too is Maurice Bates, 12 points, 4-for-9 shooting, 2-for-6 from beyond the arc, 5 rebounds, 4 turnovers, 5 fouls, 
Reese Bates didn't give you much defensively, kind of gave back what he scored offensively sometimes, uh, plus three in the game. Uh, Magic probably left him in a hair too long, but those two three-pointers were absolutely big, set a tone in the fourth quarter, allowed the Magic to take their 14-point lead. That's what most Bates does. Uh, He makes big shots when you need him to make big shots, uh, or he's, he's very capable of making big shots. And so he was absolutely uh, great throughout this game. Very happy uh, with the way that he played. Shelvin Mack, six points, five assists for him, two for four. Another solid game for Shelvin Mack. Obviously not a lot of points, uh, but a solid game for him. Wes a one, do five points, two for three shooting. Um, Wes did some really good things. Made a nice three-pointer. He's got to be more willing to shoot. That's, that's, that's just the absolute bottom line with him right now. He's not a confident shooter yet. He's got to become a confident shooter if he wants to make it in this league. His defense is there. He makes great energy plays. He makes good decisions in transition. He runs the lane really well in transition. He wants to get out and run. But in the half court, he's got to be willing to shoot. He's got to be a threat to shoot or teams are going to leave him wide open. And that may create some lanes for him to drive, which he's definitely good at. And he's not a bad passer in the half court. But he's got to be willing to shoot. Um, Even the three-pointer he made looked a little awkward. But he made it. Uh, and so I want to see him shoot a little bit more. To the starters now, Evan Fournier, 13 points, 6 for 13 shooting, 4 rebounds, saddled with foul trouble in the first half, never really got into a good rhythm, obviously scored a decent amount, but not an efficient game for Evan Fournier by any means. Um, and finally, the guy that I'm going to talk about for most of this episode, Mario Azonia, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 7 for 14 shooting, 4 for 9 from beyond the arc, Guy kept the magic in the game in the first quarter, in the first half. No bones about it. He scored 11 points in the first half, four for seven shooting. He was really good. Uh, confident, making shots, number one. Uh, confident, number two. Uh, played a really good game. Was really the, I mean, I, I joked about it at the in the first quarter when it looked like the magic were going to get blown out. But I said, Mario Zoni is the best player on the magic right now. And I'll let you decide if that's a good thing. Tonight, it turned out to be a good thing. Uh, he was really good throughout the night. And and like I said, I think it might have been his best game as a pro. I know he's, he dropped, what, 30-something points on Detroit. But this was a really good all-around game from him. He was he was confident and, and really took the reins for Orlando. Didn't, didn't play too far outside of himself. That's always been the big thing with him. Uh, but a fantastic game for Mario Zonia. Led the team in scoring with 20 points. Big part of the reason the Magic were able to stay in the game in the first half. A uh, big reason why the Magic were able to win the game in the second half, take the lead in the second half, um, and that's really what you want from him. This he is he is playing really really well. There's no other way around it. I know I've been a sharp critic of his, but he is playing some very good basketball, and you have to recognize it. And that's why we're going to talk about all about him for the rest of this episode. We're going to begin with Mario Zonia. Um, The best place to begin is with that halftime interview. If you watch the game on Fox Sports Florida, you know, Dante Marcatelli's good at those halftime interviews, keeps things relatively light. He asked Mario Azonia, how do you, how do you stay in rhythm? What, 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 you know, how how do you keep your rhythm up or, or, or whatnot? And Mario Azonia, without batting an eye and, and kind of a playful glint in his eyes, turns to Marcatelli and says, I'm always in, smiles and says, I'm always in rhythm, and then runs off. It was the ultimate mic drop. And 
the exact reason so many in the NBA Twitterverse fell in love with Mario Hizonia during the draft process. This was the Mario Hizonia everyone waited for. The guy who demanded that Lionel Messi come see him play. The guy who was dapping up opposing coaches in garbage time after draining threes. That's been the perception of Mario Zonia, that he had this bravado about him. And I would say, honestly, in my interactions with him, I, I never sensed bravado. I certainly sensed confidence. The guy is confident in his abilities, and and, and I think there was frustration, and, and deservedly so, that he couldn't show it out on the court, that he couldn't translate it to the court, that he wasn't getting opportunity. And so, for, really, for the first time, for the first time, Mario Zonia not only showed that bravado, I mean, he's, he's good with the media. He knows how to work a camera. He's been a pro for a very long time. But he showed that bravado, and he backed it up. I, I, I've always kind of taken these stories about, about Hizonia's confidence, or, or this irrational confidence that he has, as sort of as sort of more about his youthfulness like it, it, some of it to me feels like an act there's a little bit of immaturity in there after all he's only what 21 years old there is a little bit of immaturity there no doubt about it and he's had to figure things out in the NBA in a very difficult situation but now that Hizonia is getting playing time, now that Coach Frank Vogel has almost been forced to play him, now that all that's happening, we are really starting to see Hizonia's talent come through. Vogel has said that himself. We are now starting to see that this kid is really talented. It took him a while to figure things out in this league, but he's getting opportunity, he's getting rhythm. And he's figuring things out. And honestly, Monday's game, like I said, I think Monday might have been his best game as a pro. Monday's game wasn't just some one-off thing. It's been something that's been building for Hizonia for some time now. What happened Monday night is news. But it's something that's been coming for some time. Again, Azonia's final stat line here. 20 points, 7 for 14 shooting, 4 for 9 from beyond the arc, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, no turnovers, 2 steals, 1 block. It's been really, really important for Hazonia to play within himself. By that I mean taking what the defense gives you. Coming around a screen and shooting confidently, making shots. Most importantly, that's how he stays on the court. And kind of just playing his role, doing his job. He doesn't, I mean, we say this about a lot of players on the Magic. You don't have to do a lot. You don't have to force a lot to be successful within this offense. The offense will set things up for you if you attack rotators, if you Take your open shots if you keep the ball moving. 
And I think slowly Hazonia has, has learned this. What was really impressive, I thought, about Monday's game for Hazonia was that everything felt very natural for him. And you could just feel the confidence brimming in him. There was one play where Zonia comes around a screen and airballs a three, or airballs a jumper. And the Heat crowd gives gave him, gave him, gives him, you know, lets him have it, lets him hear, hear about it. But the very next play, he gets the ball at the top of the key, maybe a foot, two feet behind the three-point line, and shoots without thinking. And shoots, it was an open shot, so it was a good shot, it was a good decision. But he just lets it go. Very fluid. And it was good. The shot was good. That's the kind of confidence Mario Azonia may not have had last year. Last year, Azonia might have been thinking about it, whether it's because he was afraid he was on a short leash, or because simply he wasn't making shots consistently enough. You talk to Zonia, he'll say he's always confident. He's, he's always said, I've, I've never doubted my ability. But now it's finally being displayed on the court. You know, maybe it was a chicken or an egg problem. Maybe it was Zonia couldn't establish a rhythm because he wasn't getting playing time, and he wasn't getting playing time because he couldn't establish a rhythm. And so these injuries that have forced him into action because he was out of the rotation at the beginning of the year, they've given him that rhythm to the point where last year Hizonia was a player the Magic could barely play and the statistics bared that out. And and I, I think if you watched him play and whether it was the injury or not, he was not someone you could comfortably play. You could comfortably play. In fact, I think the whole experiment of playing him at power forward was largely done to hide him defensively, especially. And not only that, hide his, you know, injury, his declining athleticism because of the injury at power forward where he'd play against slower players and could maybe take him off the dribble. His only would tell you his natural position is point guard. I don't think that's the case. I think he has found a home at power forward, but it's definitely not a natural fit. There's still, de- there's still matchups that he does not work at at power forward. That's why he didn't start the last two games. Julius Randle and Markeith Morris were not good matchups for him. But he was still the better player than Maurice Spates. And that's, again, that's because things have been building to this point for Mario Hazonia. In his last five games, in his last five games, Mario Hazonia is averaging 15 points per game. Per game. while shooting 53.1% from the floor and 56.0% from beyond the arc. Those are four of those games without Aaron Gordon. So Zonia is, again, five games ago, he was dunking over Miles Turner. That's not a play you make if you're not confident in your abilities and you're ready to show off what you can do on the court. You're not coming around screens the way Hazonia is coming around screens and letting loose reading the defense perfectly if you're not confident. You're not throwing passes over your head to, to Bismack Biombo if you're not reading the game perfectly and you're not confident. This is a kid that's come a long way since trying that between-the-legs pass on a 4 and one fast break a while back. 
let's five games, small sample size. So let's put the scope back a little bit more. During his last 15 games, he's averaging 11.7 points per game while shooting 47.6% from the floor and 37.9% from beyond the arc. Those aren't fifth overall pick good numbers. And I, I always tell people this. I don't think we'll ever see fifth overall pick Mario Azonia. I don't think he's that player. I don't think he'll ever be that player. But a guy who's averaging 12 points per game and shooting 48% from the floor and 38% from beyond the arc, that is more than serviceable coming off the bench. That is a rotation player. He's still got work to do on the defensive end. But I thought Vogel was absolutely correct that Monday night he played really good defense. He was in the right spot. He was defending his man well. He won that matchup against Kelly Olynyk and even against James Johnson. That's big for Mario Azonia. That is a huge step forward for him. And another big step forward is that he's not making wild forays into the paint anymore. He's not driving into traffic and turning the ball over as much. Again, when he plays within himself and within the system, he is very successful. When he tries to do a little too much, when he gets overconfident, and we do see that overconfidence come in, that's when he makes mistakes. There's, there's a fine balance that he has to learn. He gets eager to, to, to display that talent and get trust, trust his, his uh, abilities a little too much sometimes. But undoubtedly, the way Mario Zoni has played over the last month has been incredibly encouraging for his future. It's honestly made the Magic regret declining his team option. Because if they want to re-sign him, that ball is now in Azonia's court if he wants to stay. And frankly, I don't know why he would, considering the situation that's developed in Orlando. Finding him minutes once Jonathan Isaac and Terrence Ross come back is going to be tricky. It was always a mistake for the Magic to decline Mario Zoni's option. Let's, let's make that perfectly clear. A player that young, that everyone knew needed time to develop, he needed opportunity. The Magic were struggling to get it to him. But everyone knew the kid was talented. Everyone knew he had ability. And it's very difficult to just give up on that. And he's proving exactly why right now. But the Magic made that decision, and they will have to move forward with it. And so will Hazonia. It's unclear right now whether he'll have any value at the trade deadline. Orlando supposedly tried to essentially give him away for free before his extension deadline and found no takers. So, the Magic then are kind of in that bind with him. It's ultimately up to Hazonia where what he does this summer. And it's going to be a tight summer financially, but he's probably going to look for opportunity for himself. And right now he's proving 
just what he can do when he's confident. Because the kid is always in rhythm. And I'm going to believe him until he's not. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic, as well as subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll have all the latest rumors coming out before the NBA trade deadline on Thursday. Plus, don't forget, we'll have a complete recap of Tuesday's game against Cleveland— Tuesday's game? Tuesday's game against, I forgot what day it is already. Tuesday's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com for more on that. It's looking like Wednesday, I'm going to have my uh, Orlando Magic Daily trade value column out, so be on the lookout for that as well. I'll be ranking all the assets that the Magic have at the trade deadline, Uh, so be sure to check that out. I've been doing that for the last few years, just modeling off of Bill Simmons there. Uh, as we get ready for Thursday's trade deadline. Um, Thursday, we'll, of course, have a recap of the Magic's game against the Atlanta Hawks that day, but I'm hoping to grab uh, one of the other Magic reporters out there and discuss what happened at the trade deadline as well. So we'll have complete coverage of the NBA trade deadline as we get closer and closer and closer. John Hammond said last week that this is kind of the calm before the storm. Tuesday's probably when they're going to get locked in the bunker and Things will really pick up, and all those frameworks for deals that we discussed on, on Monday's episode of Locked On Magic, as as well as the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, that's when those will get a little more crystal clear. So trade deadline stuff is coming together, and we'll see exactly what happens, of course, before, thir- before the 3 p.m. deadline on Thursday. But for now, that's going to do it for me. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rothschild. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.